Rainy skies here in Omaha, Nebraska. It's a time for another edition of the Other Kind Radio. The Other Kind Talk Radio. Episode 48. The on this March 24th, 2019. The Other Kind Radio is a weekly podcast where pop culture is the main star and the hosts are just the meat. Now that's according to my co-host who will be uh, joining us shortly. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. If you are a returning kind listener, welcome back. The other kind. We hope you had a good week and were able to drink from the pop culture cup and enjoy a little downtime. A little time for recharge, you know? A little pop culture, maybe a little Netflix, maybe a little HBO, maybe a little effects. You know, all those. Now, if you're a first-time listener, congratulations on navigating the podcast maze to find us. I mean, there are a bunch of them out there. Podcasts now are kind of like Furbies. Just, you know, they're just everywhere. Um, but we're glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we want uh, we want you to enjoy the show. As always, we encourage listeners to like, subscribe, rate our show as it help us, helps us feed the algorithm which keeps the podcast universe spinning and our show in its gravitational pull. I wrote that for you, Todd. Uh, we also encourage you to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and as always, electronic mail. And you can uh, you can talk to us by typing info, I-N-F-O, at theotherkindradio.com in the to field on your email software of choice. All right. Since I got that done, let's go ahead and kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. <laughs> now uh, let's get uh, let's get our uh, our co-host here. Let's get the uh, uh, the tune sound effect rolling here, and let's make some time for this next gentleman who's the co-host. He is a movie maker, guitar player, drum major, book author, and all-around renaissance man. Folks, let's welcome Todd to the show. Todd, can you hear us? Come in, Todd. There's no doubt I can hear you. I'm so in awe of how well you handled the entirety of the start of the show with all the intros of what you said, and you didn't stumble once. Jeff, you are a podcasting god. (laughs) Thanks, kids. Wow. It's like uh, it's the compliment boomerang. It just kind of works its way around. Todd, how are you doing? How was your week? Um, as you might hear, my week was dealing with, I swear, this is like the, the tale of the tape for me, you know, is that it seems like every time I come on here, I've been sick. Uh, so I got to experience being sick all week, Jeff. I think that South by Southwest, someone breathed on me and I don't appreciate it. That's what happens when hanging out all those rock and roll stars and everything, man, I'm telling you, there are those people, the world that do the, the salacious things along with rock and roll. Whoa. I just hang out with their kids and let them breathe their snotty noses all over me. And it's like, that's like a seven or $8 word there. You like that? Yeah, that was good. Every once in a while, I try to throw those out because do you know why I do that, Jeff? Right. It makes you seem stupid and me <laughs> smart. 
<laughs> at least you're honest it's not difficult to make me look stupid speaking of which uh you brought up in the uh the the pre-show talk about musicals how come there's no oh by the way uh i did see saving um humperdink no uh saving christopher robin no it's the one about uh the woman that Just... wrote mary poppins it's got oh it's got uh, saving Mr. Banks. Yes, it's got Mama said life was like a box of chocolates in it. Well, and, there's the reduction of Tom Hanks' career. <laughs> but go ahead. Uh, <laughs> a good show, very interesting. Yeah, um, it, it, it a bit saccharine in places, but you know, it surprised me. Most of those kind of little things like that tend to be a bit saccharine, and it was just barely saccharine, so yeah. it was good. Wouldn't bad, wouldn't bad at all. Yeah, and, and in that, I'm just wondering why they've never written a song and a musical about the dictionary. Speaking of you using the dictionary, maybe we need to change that. Well, right. the reason Jeff brings this up he was sing-songing me a bit of the pre-production this morning. And I said, you know, we need to do a musical episode and I want you to sing like that. So in our musical episode, which will occur, we are going to do it. Jeff is going to feature his song, which is reading the dictionary from front to back. <laughs> it's a long song. Um, Depends on what, how many beats per minute that is. Who's there? Hey Todd, it's Jeff. How you doing? Uh, I'm good, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. Are you ready for a pop culture pop quiz? Oh, God. Yes. Can you identify movie, title, actor, and year of which our first sounder we played came from? I'm going to play it for you again. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. Let's kick the, fi- kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. I'll give you the year. Okay. 1996. I know that, and I. The actor was a judge on American Idol for a couple of years. Well, that that must make me make it Harry Connick Jr. Yes. So that would be Independence Day. Nice, good job. Yeah, well, I'll help you a little bit there. Hey, Todd. Um, here, take a quiz, (laughs) and we're going to tell you 75 percent of what you need to know, and then whenever you get it. Good job. So I just got a participation trophy. You did. We 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 great on the on the curve on the bell curve on the curve. We have curves in our bell. I can't remember that. Yeah. I, anyway. I, whatever. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for making. I did such a good job of making you look stupid. Thanks for making me look smart. <laughs> oh, it's the aggressive, uh, overly angry typewriter. That means it's time for headlines. We've got a few today. We'll run through these uh, before we get into. Uh, I think today's Todd. Todd's take on and Jeff's judgment on is going to be a duo. We're going to talk about some virtual gaming. And then on center stage, we're going to talk about Ricky Gervais's new uh, show that's on uh, Netflix. And uh, it's called Afterlife. We're going to talk about that. But before we get there, we got a few headlines to get through. Um, I was happy to hear in the pre-con that you have already seen this. Um, what makes me even more happy is that it's doing well. And, of course, we're talking about... Um, uh, Peel's new movie Us, which is ha- which is on track for the second highest debut of 2019, with 67 million dollars, which is fantastic. And you've seen this, so uh, real quick, w- w- tell me about it. You know, I, I did see it. Um, I, I'm going to say one thing because you always do such a fantastic job of telling me your entire theater experience. So I'm going to even put my theater experience into about three sentences. 
Horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, I, I walk in. This is uh, one of those that sells mixed drinks. And I have a bunch of yuppie college kids going, I can't see a movie without at least two margaritas. And then they start cutting in line in front of me to order two more. And I'm like, and I literally dropped an F-bomb loudly. I don't usually do that. So much so that the kid behind there, whenever he finally calls me there to, to help me, he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, you don't have anything to be sorry for. I go into the theater then and I am hit with a woman wearing not one, not two, but probably seven bottles of perfume poured all over her body. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my God, the little girl beside me has her coat in my seat. <laughs> then she's pulling out her phone throughout the movie. I'm like, oh, my God. So I was already not in the best state to watch this. It's a good movie. Here's okay. what I wonder about. I'm wondering about what next week's totals are going to look like because it's a rather cerebral horror film. Okay. And the only reason I said most horror films, when we see them, we want a very baseline story to an extent. And the, the best horror films, I've said it before, are those that have an underlying element that they're trying to explore. Um, and this definitely has that. And to get your head around what he's trying to say, I literally had to come the next day and do some research on on him and what he was saying as he made it. It's it's very good. It's one of those that probably will go down as many people saying it's one of the best of, of its genre. It's a little bit of invasion of the body snatchers kind of thing. And it's it's funny, mm-hmm. as you would expect by him. Right. It's scary. Okay. It's spooky. Okay. It's eerie. It has some action moments. So it has a it, if you saw Get Out. It's a little bit of the same kind of thing where it's a, a little bit of everything. So not a whole bunch of jumpy scary because I don't like jumpy scary. You know, I don't know if there's a whole lot of jumpy scary in it. If I'm thinking there are one or two where you're like, oh, God. Yeah, there they are. Um, okay. But mostly it's more creepy. Nice. And I, I definitely want to see it again. I, I think I'm swearing off seeing most things in the movie theaters for good because of this experience. I'm just done with it. It's going to take a Star hey, Wars to make me go. It's it's kind of the same thing that uh, Sweet Catherine and I go through when uh, we have we're going to have a date night, and it's do we go try that new restaurant that right. you know opened up, or do we go where we know? And I've talked to him about it on the show before. Hi Lombardos, how you doing? Or do we go back to Lombardos where we know food's going to be good? People are going to be calm and, you know, we can have an enjoyable evening. It's such a difficult trap to get out of because I think the thing that keeps you going back are all the experiences you had in a theater where it wasn't like that. And I'll tell you what, there's one way around that. I know you've got a busy schedule with the archery and everything, but the way you beat that out, and that's why the last movie I saw at night was Forrest Gump. And then from then on, I just started going at the first showing in the matinee. And if I, you know, if I needed to take a vacation day to do it, I did it just because nobody would be there. And, it, you know, the experience wasn't ruined. And I, I'm sorry that that happened because that's that is no fun. Well, it's funny you say that. That's 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 a really good point, Jeff. And usually I try to go early and yeah. I had if she's sweet, Catherine, does that mean that Shelly is sour Shelly? <laughs> I don't think she'd appreciate that. But I had texted Shelly, my wife, and yeah. said, I really want to see us. How would you feel about me going tomorrow? And of course she said, we have an archery tournament. Oh boy. So I, I happened to been out Friday night with one of my co-hosts of minute of the apes, Sean, um, to see the Sklar brothers who are a comedy team Mm. featured in, um, better call Saul. They were the brothers that when he shot the commercial in the music store, those are the brothers that we saw. So I was already there. I'm out. The girls Ah. are off doing something. I said, Hey, I'm going to pile a movie on top of this. And I thought I was being smart and I was being stupid. (laughs) 
especially in the Metroplex theaters. But yeah, uh, well, I'm sorry you had a I'm sorry you had a bad experience, but I am excited to see this movie, and it's interesting, um, you know, just with Jordan Peele, how he's he's kind of sticking with that horror genre uh, for a guy that did comedy for so long. Um, who knew all along this is where his true passion and and uh, you know and talents would 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 go unwasted. You know, uh, producing this uh, these horror type films. I agree. You know, I, I'm excited. Like we talked about last week, to see his take on the Twilight Zone. Yes. I'm also excited to see what he does down the line because I do have the feeling that he has something else in him, and his his films so far already tend to be rather cerebral. You, if you, you can probably enjoy it on a baseline level, but really, if you're trying to understand it, it takes a little bit of what yeah. the one criticism I will give it. And I, I, I steal this from part of my research. It was one of the critics, I think the Hollywood reporter that this film, just like get out suffers in one scene. And it's mm-hmm. the scene when he feels it necessary to stop down and have the characters explain what's going on. Uh instead of just allowing it to organically happen. And I agree when it happens here, I'm like, Oh oh my God, really? You know, you've, you've killed all your momentum and done this. That's my only criticism. Good movie though. Okay. Beautifully shot. Uh, I'll definitely check that out. Uh, so that's that's uh, Todd's uh, little insight to uh, us, the latest movie from Jordan Peele, and, and wish him continued success and hope that does uh, well for him. Uh, this the second headline we've got today. Uh, earlier this week, uh, Google, um, the internet search monster, uh, announced quite loudly that they are coming up with their own gaming service. It's called Google Stadia. And I did see and watch some um, video footage on this. Uh, So uh, in reading a couple articles, basically what it is is Google is bringing a gaming platform to the cloud. And you will have the service, subscribe to the service, and then play video games uh, in the cloud. So it won't require you to have a $5,000 PC like the, the cats on Twitch have or go out and buy a hardware solution in the home. Uh, you will need a controller, um, and I don't have much of the pricing. I think they just announced it. But the real interesting thing here is a lot of the reviews that I read said there was a slight delay in between moving the joystick controller and then seeing the character on screen move or see that adjustment. So first of all, that's an immediate no-go, hard, stop, no thank you, hard pass. Uh, if I can't have the real-time action going on, then then that's not going to work for me. They say they're working on it, and I'm sure they will. But here's the other thing. They're stating that in order to use this service, you need 30 gig, excuse me, 30 meg per second down. And that other, um, that's to do, I think, 4K, and I think to do the lower resolution uh gaming is is less than that but still you're gonna need a pretty uh solid internet connection and i would venture to say if i was setting this up in my own environment i would have to be a wired connection because there's no way i'm going to rely on wireless uh to deliver a good gaming experience but they've got doom and some other stuff on there um i think uh like our what we're going to talk about on our uh, judgment and takes on this is a glimpse of what is to come as far as the gaming future um, I think we're moving in that direction I think that if once you have a, a medium or a, a uh, 
uh, way to uh, deploy and play those games that's unified, then it'll make it a lot easier for game developers because they're constantly have every time there comes out a new console comes out, their whole playbook changes and how they write code and and strategi- strategically try to program a game for a system. Um, but uh, as far as the overall like uh, Jeff's excitement scale, it's probably sitting around a three. But I think it has the potential down the road to really be super cool uh, when it comes to some uh, gaming that takes place in the cloud, not necessarily on your on your own home hardware. Well, did you also hear that this week um, Microsoft announced that they're going to release an Xbox version that has no memory mm-hmm. storage on it for almost, if I'm understanding, w- what would be the same experience where you're just getting this stuff cloud-based. Right. And, well, I, I, the, I honestly would love to, I, I want to go that direction, but I, maybe I'm a little bit too old school to the point where I'm like, I'm a little afraid of it until I see it work because right. you talk about the lag times and, and things like that. I, I want my experience just like you, if I'm going to step into a video game, I want it to be so close to that. I am interacting with that environment. Right. That I, I worry just that little bit. Well, and I think the first the first uh, upgrade they're making or change they're making to the Xbox is they're coming out with a digital only version. All that means is it's just not going to have a, a Blu-ray or CD-ROM player in it. Oh so, well, maybe I misunderstood. Right. I so thought they were the saying ga- there's yeah. no physical storage. All the games will have to be digitally purchased, which is I'm pretty much what we do right now anyway. However, right. you are correct. They're also going to be looking at a but. But what I like what they're doing is they're you can put a little bit of hardware on our end that can handle some of that juggling of data and still have it be cloud-based the the google one is 100 percent, you know just right you know play um i think but yes like you if 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 microsoft solution uh, when they get there has any kind of delay then yeah it's a hard pass for me i you know i gotta have that um that comfortable uh experience when i'm gaming i can't be i can't be on a delay because it'll drive my ocd completely nuts so well, you know, with my much discussed how rich I am that I have my own movie theater, that's one of the things I already have to worry about with projectors is the projectors, some of them you cannot purchase if you want to yeah. play games because yeah. they're not meant for that. They they actually build their little storage so that you get the best image. And I will I'm, I'm actually in the on the cusp of buying a new projector because mine is kind of reaching the end and I can tell it. And I know when I go in the, to the snobs and say, show me the projectors are going to be well. You'll need this one. Yeah, but I play games. Well, yeah. do you really want to give up the quality? Yeah, jackass, I do. I want to play my game, and I yeah. don't want to lag. So those yeah. those things always trip me up and worry me. But just like you said, Google, they're going to figure that out. They're yeah. not going to put this out there and not going to let any lag occur. Right. I, I have no doubt of that. You know, one thing you just made me think of, uh, have, you, have you tried gaming on a monitor? Because hmm. there is no way in my old age in gaming – that I can play it on anything. I remember when I used to play on the television. I think mm-hmm. it's a fifty-five inch television, and you know the experience was just. Eh, and then I moved it. I remember I moved it in and I put it on a twenty-seven inch monitor, and it was night and day. It was so much more fun to play. I could see because remember when you're projecting on the wall, your your eyes are having to track a much larger space. So I'd be interested yep. to see what you think. But you I, may like it on the. I'm sorry. No, no, that was it. I'm sorry. Um, look, I, I know that there is a little bit to that. It's a, I have a 107 inch image that I'm able to create on my wall and that's a huge freaking thing. But at the same time, I'll tell you this, when I play red dead redemption, uh, my yeah. experience is it, it almost overwhelms you. It's you're in that environment and then you got the surround sound with it. So it, it's, 
it's a yeah. trade-off. You know what? And I, you're absolutely right as far as that because uh, those games are a little different than like playing Fortnite or or Apex Legends, where you're having to do a run and gun uh, battle royale kind of thing. But hey, yeah, this R- just in awesome. Fortnite drives me up a wall, and <laughs> Apex Legends, I still need you to join me and teach me how to play. Okay. All right, we'll do that. We'll do that. So Google uh, Stadia announced this week. We'll see what they do, how they roll it out, uh, and how that will impact the gaming uh, community. I did think it was funny that right after Google came out with their announcement, Microsoft was like, oh, we've got cool stuff planned for E3. All right, well, show us. All right, our last headline um, is something I came across uh, yesterday as I was just kind of browsing through stuff. There is a new uh, rockumentary that's on um, Netflix, um, which centers around the what is supposed to be true story of Motley Crue and the members of Motley Crue. Um, I skimmed through it. I was not a huge Motley Crue fan, but I, I like anything to do with kind of a uh, mockumentary or documentary style where they tell the story of how these young guys became rock and roll superstars and it's it it has a couple of uh you know good actors when it comes to it um we'll have to see how it does and and what the the thought is on it because it just came out but um you can you can check that out the dirt on on netflix and todd said he's got a few he's got a uh a couple actors he knows about that's that's in this special that uh, most people will be aware of um the the big one for me is it has Ramsey Snow from uh, Game of Thrones, and unfortunately, Jeff, in all my digging, I did I failed to look up his name, and it would also be one that I'd butcher anyway. So whatever your name is that you're Ramsey Snow, I know you're. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has it, got what's his face from Saturday Night Live uh, that was dating the singer that was all wackadoo. Oh, Pete, what's his name? Yeah, he, Pete, what's his name? <laughs> We, if we made if we made the movie poster for this, that guy that played Ramsey yeah. Snow from Game of Thrones and Pete Wackadoo. That's really how they should do it. If you think about it, you know, because people would be like, oh, because half the time when Sweet Catherine and I are watching any type of of movie, part of the experience is pulled away because she goes, oh, I've seen that actor before. He's in, oh, what was that movie? You know the one where the dog can think and talk but it has problems and it thinks it's dead and and by and then next thing i know the credits are rolling up on the screen and i've missed the entire film because we're trying to remember bradley cooper's name you know yeah that does occur um i i, I think that perhaps that idea that hey I know that person. Let me stop the movie and look through the cell phone to find out it is to satiate that need to know who it is has perhaps killed cinema. Right. I, I, I don't know. That's just kind of a, a leap. That's for what, po- that's post that's post movie conversation. You save that. And when the, you know, when the credits roll and you, you know, finish with whatever tissues or anything you need to, to mop up tears and you go, wow, that one guy that we know from that one movie was really good. Let's find out who that was because yeah. inevitably they you look up that information while the movie's playing and it's like oh that's Bradley Cooper huh he's 5 foot 11 i'm 5 foot 11 ooh is he left-handed and then it just kind of <laughs> it snowballs spirals into this we now know everything about Bradley Cooper so jumping back to the movie this is a, a film directed by Jeff Tremaine and i had to look him up i thought who i'm not, I, i'm not instilled with a ton of confidence that this is going to be great because this is the man 
that helped to direct Bad Grandpa <laughs> and the Jackass movies. So now he might, because of the Jackass things, bring a true, almost like a fifth element of yeah. Motley Crue el- uh, spin to it. But because I finally pulled this up, let's look at some of the actors. Um, Machine Gun Kelly, uh, apparently a rapper. I didn't realize this, but plays Tommy Lee. Uh, I'm really trying. There it is. Ewan Rion is the guy from Game of Thrones that is playing Mick Mars. You've got some good people associated with this. I, I'm mildly interested. I was never a Motley Crue fan. Um, as a drummer, I borderline despise Tommy Lee. Not what? that he's a bad drummer, but God, just give me a fracking break. You uh, know, spinning drum sets uh, and whatnot. Come on. Okay. What, did you like him? Did you like Motley Crue, Jeff? Uh, I knew. I think I I like Dr. Feelgood. I thought that was a pretty good song. It's a good riff. Um, you know, and then, of course, uh, Home Sweet Home is oh. is is probably one of their bigger hits later on um uh, being a piano guy myself i enjoyed you know listening to the the intro to it and everything um but i don't know oh this is i was gonna try and be slick and pull up the song but i think this is oh this is like the super remix version let me uh this is them trying to earn cred with being great musicians by overproducing it by by a bunch of other people's voices. <laughs> this is like what you would see maybe in Field of oh. Dreams. You know I'm a dreamer. I mean they were just, you know, a bunch of guys that were kind of rocking and rolling and partying and you know, one of them got married to what's her face that was pretty. What's her face, Pamela Anderson? You know, you no, no, not, at her. Pa- no not, Pam- not Pamela Anderson. The before he was with Pamela Anderson, he was with Heather Locklear. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, but you know what? And and again, I did I did peruse uh, this movie. When I say that, I watched probably out of the entire thing, I watched maybe twenty five minutes. Uh-huh. at different parts and it's they break the they break the the fifth wall a number of times which i th- uh, the the pop culture part of me is getting tired of seeing that because it when done right it it's such a magical moment where they pull you in or recognize that you and lock eyes with you as the viewer but when it's right. done just over and over again it, it just kind of ruins it um but here's the thing. I mean, if if it was about Bruce Springsteen or if something was coming out about uh, Talking Heads or something like that, I would be all over it. I'd be very interested. So I think I think the overall impression for me is if you are a huge Motley Crue fan and love their music and went to see them in concert, the story is pretty close to some of the elements and events that happened. So, you know, hats off to them for doing it at least. Um, and then, you know. Yeah, if you're a huge fan, go see it. Check it out. Give us, send us an email. Let us know if you like it. If I use that checklist, so huge fan, love some of their music, blah blah blah. Yeah. If I answer no to all of those, does that mean I should skip it? I. 
Sorry, I'm being a jerk. Here's, and I know here's it. what I'm going to do for you. What? I am because I have plenty of time on my hands. I am going to go in and digitally, uh, digitally alter the entire film so that all the heads of the band members are Bruce Springsteen, and then I'll just do my best Bruce Springsteen for every spoken line. And then I think you might be interested, and I'll have to change the music too. But once again, I want to see that. Just <laughs> like I want us to do a musical episode, I want you to do that. <laughs> But worth bringing up because we talk pop culture and they were a huge pop culture towards in the 80s. And, and, uh, and you know, there is something to say for those 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 groups from that time, um, you know, to make it through. You know, they had drama just like every other group. But, you know, they're all still uh, with us, I think. And, um, you know, are all living their lives after surviving that uh, roller coaster of rock and roll. And, and I just, I will watch it. I do like things like this. Will I cringe with some of the music because it's not my thing? Sure, but I'll watch it. I definitely will. <laughs> All right. That is, uh, that's headlines. We'll now take that aggressive typewriter. Oh, got to wait for that final part there. Dear editor. All right. There it is. And then we'll just segue from that. Right into getting that fiery projector up. And uh, as we said on the earlier portion of the show, we are going to do a joint Todd's take on and Jeff's judgment. Because, ladies and gentlemen, kind listeners, we both had a similar experience miles and miles and miles apart. What we're going to talk about today and give our judgments and our take on is these new virtual gaming businesses that are popping up. Um, something that I, again, on my scale is probably a, maybe a six as far as interest, but, uh, our experiences were different. Todd actually went and played in one. Um, uh, my experience was we took, uh, uh, someone had a birthday turned 16. So we, uh, took him and his brother, uh, to infinite loop here in Omaha, Nebraska, and they played some some virtual reality games. So let's let's start let's start in Dallas and let's let's get Todd's judgment on. You were going there. Um, now it was just a couple of games that was available. And then my second follow up question is: What was it? A PlayStation or was it the Oculus system that you played on? It, I don't know what system it was created on, Jeff. I really don't. So it was that. What I do, I've mentioned before, Minute of the Apes, they have the podcast I do. We usually record those on Sunday. My, one of my co-hosts, Sean, has been after me to go play Star Wars Secret of the Empire for a long time. When I had my shoulder surgery, I was like, dude, I just don't know if I should be running through something like that until I'm healed. So I'm healed. We go do it. It's at a Cinemark. They have taken a wing of an actual movie theater and created this thing. You walk in. Now, I'm curious to know with yours. Oh. You know, we walked in and it, it's very cool. They overall, they, they offer three films. It's a Star Wars film, a Ghostbusters film and their own haunted house film. At that time, I think they only show one of them at a time from what I understand. And so you walk in and of course they keep referring to me as rebels and all this. I'm like, okay, you can stop all that. I am 52 years old. I don't need you to treat me like I'm really going to step into the movie, but still it's their shtick. You go over to a wall and there are the VR helmets and a VR vest. Did you guys have vests that you wore as well? No. Okay. Um, this thing 
you actually put on a vest and and it's all attached to tethers the reason i bring that up is you're almost kind of suspended mm-hmm. and when you're first putting it on and then they release it and it just sort of lets you go and it lets the weight almost just fall to you and it's it that alone was a cool experience you're putting on a helmet that completely encloses your face your ears all of it the vest you you have to pull like six straps so it's just completely hugging you and overtaking every element of that so when they took us then they put us in a room and the guy's staying there we still have our visors up and he says okay i'm going to tell you in two seconds to put your visors down uh then wait about five seconds and you'll see everything begin to come to life and so he steps out we put the visors down we're all joking and still don't know where the microphone is in this thing but we can hear each other in our headsets and we even sound like the stormtroopers were what <laughs> shut up and it's got that weird little tint to it how was that again and <laughs> whatever um <laughs> screw you the little boy sounded, wanted to make sound like effects. It, it sounded like an ewok that farted in your ear is that i tried to mute every other cough until uh, now i made him i made him cough up a lung okay so so we do this and all of a sudden i'm not kidding you the oh my god moment when they click that thing on and I look across and it's Richard and Sean, my co-host, mm-hmm. are across from me. And I suddenly see two stormtroopers. Mm. And I'm like, what? And he said, now I want you to look at your hands. And we, you have to hold your hands up in front of your face and wiggle your fingers. And they are, you are, your hands are masked as stormtroopers with the little black gloves Whoa. and the little white element on it. Whoa. Anywhere you're moving your hand, it's like, are you kidding me? Wow. So right there with that alone, you're like, oh my God. We're standing there, and it's got like a game grid behind it, almost you know, very remedial looking. And he like, said, "Okay, like Tron? we're good." Yeah, it is very Tron like yeah. behind you. You okay. see the stormtroopers in full detail. They're borderline photorealistic. I mean, you can still tell you're watching a computer, but they're really good. Are the names of your your other friends? Are they above their helmets? No, but each of you, if you know the Star Wars world enough, um, you'll know that like the stormtroopers at some time will wear pads on yeah. their shoulders. Yeah. Each one of you has one and you have a color. I think Sean was green, Richard was orange, and I was purple. So, you, But the thing is, is that I'm short, Richard's a little shorter, and Tom, Sean's tall. So that was really the way. And, of course, Sean had to keep saying, are oh, you a little it, short it for a It actually knows trooper. your height? Yes, it actually, you can tell the height. Wow. Okay. Um, so at that point, the guy says, okay, we're going to begin the actual experience. Hang on. At that very minute, the grid disappears. And all of a sudden you hear like an orchestra go boom yeah. and the, the real environment appears around you and you're inside a spaceship. Wow. And I'm like, holy crap. And you hear a door open and you look over here and you actually, they actually, as best I can tell, have just made a little maze that you walk through. Oh, because okay. you can reach out and feel the wall where you are, and you're feeling the wall of oh, that wow. environment. So it's not a it's not necessarily a virtual reality experience. I mean, it, it is, but it's a little bit more because the VR, other VRs, it's just you're not you don't have a vest on and all that right. other stuff. Okay, so you're you you are physically walking tethered to something that's in the ceiling. You are not, not tethered oh, to anything. It's anymore. wireless. Oh, okay, all right, okay. You can move anywhere you want, but there are, if you reach out and there's a wall beside you and you touch, there's a wall Mm -hmm. and the door opens and you can feel the door frame there around you. So, but you walk, I'm sorry. So basically everybody else is like running around 
shooting and screaming with joy and you're over there messing with walls and doors while this whole no. thing's happening you're like oh my god this door is really here and you know like you're like Todd, we played... can we play the game and you're like but this door i like the door and the wall okay that does happen some <laughs> um you don't the other people that are playing i think there are a couple of mazes that they're going at once i'm sorry having cold moments hang yeah. on i'm gonna mute okay mute you're listening oh, to the nasty. other kind oh you didn't give me you're let me reset here uh, you're listening to The Other Kind Radio. This is episode 48. We're talking about Todd's fascination with doors in the Star Wars universe and how walls feel. Please, Todd, continue. So anyway, we the door opens, we walk through, and you are on a spaceship that looks very Star Warsian. Star Warsian. And there is K2SO, which was, if you saw Rogue One, he was the tall oh, yeah. black droid. Jackass, and, the smartass. Yeah. yeah, and he literally looks pretty photorealistic mm. and i didn't i didn't go touch the droid but sean told me that they apparently did have something there where you could feel it um but you you're then in a spaceship and it starts blasting off and and they somehow this room vibrates and you begin to feel the experience of going into hyperspace and then mm. the big wall here you're actually seeing it it's crazy so let me jump ahead to it this takes place on mustafar which, again, being a Star Wars geek, that's the lava world where Anakin gets burned and turned into Darth Vader. Anakin, I have the higher ground. Oh. <laughs> God, I hate that movie. Um, I just ruined your morning. I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. you did. I was having a lot of fun talking about this, and you brought me completely down. Um, so you're going on a mission. You're stormtroopers. They tell you you're rebels. You're disguised as stormtroopers, and they tell you oh. not to walk too funny because they you may give yourself away. This experience is amazing because then when you land on Mustafar, mm -hmm. another door opens, and it tells you we're going to go on this catwalk. You The door opens, and you're hit by a wave of heat. Oh, wow. Because wow, you're supposed to be on this lava world, and you also smell burning embers. Nice. So they somebody's complete, barbecuing. Yes, there is. I, I kept thinking, man, can I have one of those chicken wings over there, please? Can I have a brontosaurus burger, please? Or, <laughs> actually, you know what? I'm trying to watch my caloric intake. I'll just take an Ewok sandwich. Hey, Anakin's leg that fell in the lava pit. Yeah. Kind of on that just a little bit. <laughs> anyway, we walk out there. So you're on this, this little catwalk, and this is the crazy thing about it. It is so realistic that wherever you put your head. Yeah. You go to look over that catwalk and you begin to get vertigo. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I know in my head, I'm like, there's no way that this is a drop where I will hurt, get, hurt myself because they don't want to pay my medical bills. Right. But I can't convince myself to try and sure, step sure. off of it. Yeah. So as you go and you basically the, the whole mission without getting into the tired head of it, there are numerous occurrences like that. You're in an elevator where you can actually look down the elevator shaft and it, the the animation of it, the fact that I can look down that while Rich and Sean are looking elsewhere, it, it's just astonishing. Uh, the vest comes into play that once your secret mission has been busted, the stormtroopers start shooting at you and you feel the laser hits on you. Ooh. And you can hear the direction they're coming from and spin to it and shoot them. Uh, there are numerous occurrences that you get a lovely moment at the end where the, the big baddie of the Star Wars world comes out and when we hear Darth Vader's breathing, you could also hear Richard, Sean, and I scream like three little girls. We were so excited. I mean, it was, it is just this, oh my God moment. And he's coming at you and you're saved at the last minute by something. But it's, it was 
every every bit of me that didn't want to go yeah was quickly shut up by realizing that i was seeing something i was like this is amazing this is where this has got to go that way for the majority of the world's gaming experience it it is truly amazing so it's a combination of both i like that because our experience was much different but i liked it that there were actual walls and stuff that you know you were you were in and it was wireless the visor was the visor 100 percent um i guess i'm gonna use trying to use this word was it opaque like could you not see through it and there was a screen in it or was this somehow mapped in front of you with a visor that had some transparency to it? There, no, I could see nothing. That visor yeah. is my everything. Okay. They even, since I wear glasses, they even had to adjust it so it would go completely around my lenses. Mm. Um, there was no, uh, there was no shattering of the illusion that that was my perception. Wow. And it, it, it look, they're throwing a ton of money at this thing. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I don't think that every vr game experience will be like this but no. this even gets down to it that there's a point where you have to hit a sequence of buttons mm-hmm. to get a door to open and yeah. it it purposely it's very much like you know playing with old simon systems we have to watch the colors well poor richard ends up over there playing simon while sean and i are shooting the stormtroopers <laughs> and acting like a couple of dorks <laughs> but you could reach out and the you see in your visor you see the buttons blinking and when you reach you can feel that they're buttons wow i mean and it and it really it is so beautifully done that i'm looking and i can feel the detail yeah. It is aligning itself with the true actual thing. That it's, it's an amazing experience. It's awesome. So did, did, you, did your weapon that you have, was it an actual weapon or it wasn't like a VR weapon or anything, right? Like if, when you draw, you drew your blaster. Mm-hmm. So you come to a point when K2SO is basically talking you through this, you know, you need to go through these doors. Okay, there are some blasters. You need to grab one. Uh-huh. And you literally reach out and you see it. Here's on the wall. It looks like the the classic stormtrooper rifle. And you yeah. reach out and you're grabbing it, and putting it in your hand, and it has a trigger. Right. And when you shoot, it kicks just a little boop, huh. boop. Nice. So it everything about it, it was masked to where in my hands it looked like a stormtrooper rifle. When right. we get out and we take our visor up, it's you know some modern looking yeah. gun that yeah. they can put in any situation. But right. yeah, it looks like it looks like a stormtrooper rifle. So because you played a stormtrooper, was your aim just awful like they all are in all the movies? Sean had a theory on that. He said, "Okay, at the end of it, they they do let you compare against your friends who who is the most accurate, who is the most deadly." And by the way, it was me. Ooh, nice. Um, Richard tried to tell me that we were tied. I we both had forty four percent accuracy, but I had forty three hits to his eighteen. I was like, okay, mm. when the kids can come to the adults' table, <laughs> then we can say we're. I'm kidding, um, but we did notice that there were times I could be looking down the barrel and shoot uh-huh. at someone's head, and it would go off to the right, and I was ah. like, okay, they've stormtroopered me. They stormtroopered you, yeah, yeah. Um, did at any point Princess Leia jump out and and tell you that you're a little short for a stormtrooper? No, Sean took care of that over Did he and really? over. Did you know, he really? I was like, okay, it was funny the first 24 times. Stop. Oh, such a great line when Luke bursts in and, and yeah. I'm here to rescue you. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Um, okay, so let's get down to some of the uh, – that's that's a fantastic experience. That, that's amazing. I, I almost want to jump in the car and drive down and go today. So um, The next time you're here, the yeah. next time you're here, it's on me. We're going. What is – thank you. What is – what's the wait? Is that, and I'm sensing my, my Disney spider sense is going off, and it's like a four-hour wait, and you have to like buy snacks and drinks and everything. Is it, it a scheduled time? How do you get in? 
you can you can buy tickets just like you could with any movie uh we i'm assuming because we went on a sunday morning uh, after in fact right after you and i got done and jumped in the shower went over there so i was there maybe by 11 30 hmm. people most people are still in church we just walked up and went okay cool 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 I, are there wait times? I'd imagine if you did it on Friday night, but yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. a Saturday, Sunday morning, you're probably going to run into a big wait time. And then for the kind listeners that are in the Dallas Metroplex area, uh-huh. what are we talking about damage-wise to the old bank account? Is it pretty expensive? And how long of an experience is it? I I don't think it's grotesquely experienced. I'll be honest, Sean has wanted to do this so much that he paid for it, but I think I saw the bill for the three of us. It was 85 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. So 85 90 bucks, so maybe $30 a person. Yeah, that's not bad. And I think the experience is maybe 10 to 15 minutes. Ooh, that's fast. Yeah, it is fast. That is the one thing that, and it, it leaves you wanting to do it again because, you know, there's so much of it that you're in awe of. Like, oh my God, I can't believe this. There's even a point at which when stormtroopers start attacking, they shoot a pipe above you. And if you walk over by that pipe in your animation, you see steam coming down. Uh-huh. And you if you walk heat. by it, you're getting hit by something wet and warm, that, which God, that sounds really gross. Yeah, let's keep it clean here today on the other kind radio. <laughs> um, but but I mean the fact that they're using actual uh, scents and then wind and and temperature, air temperature and stuff. That's really cool. So yeah, yeah, I get fifteen twenty minutes is you know to me it seems that seems short, but I'm sure that it's it, well worth it, especially for the price that you're paying. It is. Um, it left me really looking forward to experiencing <clears throat> star wars world at disney world yeah. because they're supposed to have a big vr experience too yeah i'd been a little trepidatious about that not anymore if star wars is signing off on this one i can only imagine what that's oh yeah be. yeah yeah um okay so again for the kind listener in dallas where is this at what part of town this is at the i believe it's the plano west Cinemark, which is on the tollway. Okay. So head north on the tollway almost before you get to 121, and it'll be there on your right. That is, Cinemark is based out of Plano, Texas, and that is their flagship cinema. Oh, I didn't know that. And you can see whether you want a really cool movie theater or you want this experience. And again, there are three things there's Star Wars, there's Ghostbusters, and the one all of them were really going on about was the haunted house. Of course. Which. God, I think I want to take you to the haunted no, house. No, negative. I want to see you scream. Hard pass. No, thank you. I'll scream when I see Darth Vader come in. <laughs> I'll scream loud enough. Um, I okay. don't need to smell rotting guts. I don't need to feel wet, slimy walls. No, thank you. Um, no Jar Jar Binks? Uh, he's... Um, thank God, no. <laughs> no, this is definitely set amongst the good Star Wars films. Mesa, think you want to have fun? It's almost like a Yoda. That's horrible. Sorry, kind <laughs> listener. All right. Well, I mean, that's wow. It's kind of we're kind of going from like a Rolls Royce to a uh, 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 maybe a bug. But our Carmen Gia. Yeah. Yeah. Our, uh, or I was trying to think of the Ford Pinto. Um, but this is okay. something this is something completely different. So that that's in a whole immersive um experience um the infinite plus place that we went to which uh, for the kind listeners in the omaha area is right around uh 96 and l it's in a little strip mall uh you walk in and they've just set up bays so if you if you picture a uh picture a muffin tin in your head and you're looking at it from the top so you're looking down now change the roundness of the the cupcake tray into squares and then the portion that's not the square is like the center aisle so what they have are little bays 
set up like that. They basically have curtains on the left, right, and then on the back wall, there's a monitor, and then the front area is open. Um, so then you go in and, and you, I think it's like 30, 30 bucks for 30 minutes or something like that. And then you go and you put what's known as the Oculus system. And now I understand why you weren't sure what kind of VR it was. Obviously it's something that's custom. Oculus is the one that, um, is probably most, uh, most well known for home VR, uh, users. And, uh, so they've got a computer there, but they do have it, um, all the hardware, uh, cabling and whatnot suspended from the ceiling on a uh, kind of a pulley thing that that allows you to move around and not feel like you're restricted. You place those on, get a quick uh, uh, learning uh, instruction on how to use the controllers, which are pretty, pretty complicated. And then you can go in and start selecting games. So they have like, <laughs> this is going to pay on the comparison. They have Fruit Ninja. Um, <laughs> you can play Saber. I think it's uh, uh, Saber Beat, which is the one I want to play. And in this particular um, setting, we you know just let the boys go and 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 uh, experience it. It took them upwards of five to 10 minutes to get acclimated to the controls and everything else. Um, but after that, they were in there gaming and having a great time. The cool thing is, is when they did the orientation for the players, um, they orientate you looking forward, looking out of your little stall. So for those people that are watching um, family members or whatever play, you're not staring at their back. You get to see them from the front and then behind them up on the wall is the monitor where you see the video feed from the VR set. So you can watch them go and, you know, play. And of course, most popular um, for the bays and everything were shoot 'em up kind of movies and stuff like that. And once they got the process, because the first thing you see anytime you watch some of this VR stuff is people spending a half hour trying to pick up a pencil. And a lot of it is that. A lot of it is trying to pick up uh, a weapon. Um, Todd, you can relate to this in one of the games. Um, uh, uh, one of the one of the kids was rather short. <laughs> And how it, did I know this was going to be a short game, joke? I just knew. In the game, you have to you you virtually grab a disc, you put it into the heart, you, into the computer, and then you're supposed to reach up and pull this helmet down from the top that gets you in the VR world. Mm-hmm. Well, it average, actually has a height on it, so you, the little guy had to jump up and like virtually grab <laughs> grab this helmet and put it on. Um, I, you know, of course, as a viewer, as somebody that's there, I mean, of course, 30 minutes, it was felt about right. I mean, it was by the time, you, you know, you, there is the, the being the observer, the amount of time where you, then you're just kind of like, well, I'm kind of done. Um, but for the participants, man, they like it reminded me the first time I went to play laser tag where you know you just walk out of that environment and your eyes are wide and your your breath is short and you're just like what was that i want more you know and do it again Mm -hmm. so we'll be going back um you know i talked to the guys that are running it technically uh it's kind of an interesting setup they've got there with each little area for the person to put on the vr and they also can and i noticed the guy was doing this via an an app on his phone uh, asking if players wanted to be able to talk to each other so they can set it up. So like if you and I went in and we were going to play a game together, we could hear each other in the headset. We wouldn't have the Ewok fart necessarily happening, <laughs> but we would at least be able to hear us and, and uh, hear each other and, and communicate as we went through the game. So 
definitely two different takes there. One, yours kind of being the the grand, the, you know, the, the grand Cayman cruise, if you will, of VR. This one being a, a little a little different. Uh, definitely not as not as uh, uh, specific or detailed, but. Uh, from what I can tell, the people that were in there playing, they were all really excited and having a great time with this uh, uh, VR experience. I think that it's awful cool, no matter how you're doing it, that they're able to create this grand illusion for people. Even if you are getting the first experience, no, right. you're not getting the tactile thing of touching buttons and all that in the environment. It's still pretty damn cool that it's happening. And it what it, what excites me the most, and we saw this some when xbox originally released the connect yeah. this idea that you could virtually interact at home I, I realize that's probably a far way away but is it really i mean right. if they're able to do this this big now and I, I did look into who helped create this version and there's a reason jeff that this is pretty special it's ilm and lucasfilm oh. <laughs> and this thing called the void so yeah you got some big guns behind this yeah but it really if they're able to do this things are occurring so quickly in this technology i can't imagine that 10 years from now we aren't going to have something yeah. that you know you know you can't build a prop in your house where you get a tactile sensation but i would imagine before too long they're going to have a way of letting you move within environments like that yeah. in your own home i think so too i think i think you know and it's like we've gotten to see you and i have been around long enough to see the oh oh, oh. alexa stop Good Lord. Anyway, she's she's having some issues this morning. Um, so but but you and I are around for for the first arcade games and the first coin op games and then going in, you know, it's like the whole time I think like, wow, I'm really seeing this from the Atari 2600 to the NES to the original PlayStation. And I kind of had a sense of like, hey, man, I've seen it all. And for the first time looking at that and hearing your story and talking about the technology, I'm just wondering. Oh, can I, am I still going to be able to game when this really comes down to just being like super cool? Uh, hopefully I'll be still have my wits about me and we'll be able to enjoy the experience because it's really, I think it's, that's the whole thing that's going to take off. Once the gamer is, once the gamer is no longer required to sit and look at a screen, but then can be immersed into the game, watch out. Cause that's, that's what everybody's uh, going to go crazy for. That'll be neat. Imagine if you could play red dead. Yeah. And actually feel the cold, the bitter cold slapping you in the face yeah. and them having something that is simulation of wind shifts and all these kind of things. The only thing that I, I thought about it, it, you are at least in this environment, you're a stormtrooper, so you have a helmet covering you. So you do, there's a reason that you don't feel a lot on your face. Right. If they can ever get to the point where it's something that is not covering you entirely, that's, that's going to be really, be really big. cool. All right. Well, that's uh, Jeff's uh, a joint uh, experience of Todd's take on and Jeff's judgment on uh, on virtual reality and some experiences we just had. Thank you, Todd, for going to check it out. We'll put the projector away. And at this time, we'll move from uh, the take on stage to the center stage where today we're going to talk about Netflix's uh, latest show from Ricky Gervais called Afterlife. Uh, you heard on the last podcast my uh, moment of joy when um, uh, I tweeted right directly to Ricky Gervais and he liked my tweet um, regarding the show. I have seen all six episodes. Todd has made it through three, which gives you a, a definitely a good 
uh, a good taste of it uh, to talk about it. So we're going to talk a little bit about afterlife and, and encourage the kind listeners. Uh, as I was telling my parents yesterday, it's definitely worth a watch. It's a little tough because it's some sad stuff, but um, I think that the laughs really do help bring it uh so it's it's fully rounded as far as an experience. And with the tail of the tape here to kind of tell us about some of the nuts and bolts of the show, I'll throw it back to Todd. I'm sure he has IMDb up and uh, will know who all is involved in this project. Well, the easy part of this, Jeff, is if I'm going to tell you the tail of the tape. This is Ricky Gervais. <laughs> it is the man writes it, produces it, directs every episode. He is just a force to be reckoned with. Now, there are only six episodes, as you said, so it's an easy thing to digest. Each episode is about 25 minutes. Yeah. Uh, the, the description that IMDb gives us is, after Tony's wife dies unexpectedly, his nice guy persona is altered into an impulsive, devil-may-care attitude, taking his old world by storm. Imagine if you can, if you know Ricky Gervais, and he has a very, I don't even think biting is a brutal enough word hmm. to, to describe his sense of humor. His it's blunt. It mm -hmm. is forceful. It's aggressive. And I have always adored his sense of humor. And it is so fully on display here. As you watch a man who lost his wife of 25 years and is crippled by that loss. He, he allows himself to keep going for some reason, because as he watches through things, he sees videos that she's left him to help him get through life. And much of it is take care of the dog. And that little nugget keeps him going. But as he deals with people, he has no valve that keeps him from calling even his post postman, the worst things in the world because mm -hmm. the postman wants to find a shortcut in life. And that's where I immediately thought, this is exactly what this show is about. Mm -hmm. We all want shortcuts in life to find the easiest way to get from here to there. Mm -hmm. His shortcuts are gone and he is experiencing everything and he needs to tell everybody how miserable he is about it. That sounds at first like it's going to be a miserable experience. But the funny thing is to me, curmudgeon type behavior like this often highlights how beautiful life is. If that person can look and occasionally go, oh, that's where I want to be. Right. And it, Ricky does this. God, everything he does, he is just able to make the worst people somehow lovable mm -hmm. and all i want to yes. do is i want to be insulted by him and just revel in that i right. it, it's a fantastic journey but there are tons of faces here you'll know jeff you're the one that recommended it to me mm -hmm. are you a ricky fan as much as i am i think you are yes of course you know ricky first came in to my uh sphere of uh awareness with the original office um, which is British humor. And again, especially having been around his work for some time, it's great to see his skill set growing and, and changing. So the, the office was great. Then he's had some things on HBO uh, with um, extras, which basically is a, a series about him playing an extra in a movie, uh, you know, on movie sets and the characters he runs to. And that was an interesting um, that was an interesting storyline to produce because then you have famous people 
Scarlett Johansson and some other people that come onto the show in this guise of it being shot on a movie location. And so, you know, you have some really talented actors and everything that show up and um, have some, some fun real life kind of adventures while they're shooting the film. Uh, then he did a Idiot Abroad, which again, this is another Ricky Gervais uh, genius moment where he didn't make the show about him. He took a friend of his that was curmudgeon, that that had a very black and white view of the world and didn't understand why people would travel or go experience these things or do anything. He just wants to be home, but they made a show out of it. And it's very, very funny. Um, the only thing that missed a beat for me was when um, they went back and wanted to follow up with David Brent after his life on the, you know, the documentary, The Office and see what he was up to. And to me, for me, I don't know who all was involved in that or why it was done, but for me, it, it just missed on some notes. I kind of liked the way that the office was left and done. It felt like it was put to bed and maybe this was something that was forced to kind of make it come out. Uh, but yes, I'm a huge fan of his. And the reason why I'm kind of going on this long diatribe is I saw full form and function and awareness and really, really good writing. And when you were doing such a great job of explaining uh, the his main character in Afterlife, it made me have a thought, which was, you know, everybody everybody knows Scrooge, right? That's one of the most known uh, Christmas stories out there. And Scrooge was curmudgeon, and he was Bah Humbug. And we all know Bah Humbug. But he was kind of limited in his uh, character development just because that was what he, he was he was written to be. My thought is, what if we had Ricky write, rewrite that, that, uh, that character and how much more enjoyable that, uh, that character would be because he would have those pointed and like you said, you know, cut lows and, and, and just very blunt. And if, there, if they could give out colors of belts for martial art, combat with cut lows and words he would be the grandmaster kung fu king whatever the the proper the proper title is because that's what he can do he can take the littlest thing and then come out with these brilliant eloquently written cut lows that aren't just like you're ugly or you're stupid written in ways that the more he learns about you <laughs> as a person or maybe your flaws or whatever, then you're just adding more spices and ingredients in this insult pizza that he's putting together in, in just seconds and then delivering flawlessly and, and very funny. And, and I also like, cause I didn't think about it was the point you made about liking that character. Now, of course I see Ricky on screen and I'm always going to like his character. Cause I just, you know, admire the guy. Can't we see, but yeah, if you had anybody else play this character, they would go, God, what a jerk that guy is. And yeah, fine. You know, go jump off a bridge. We're done with you. But Ricky sprinkles in that humility, the humanity, and you find yourself wanting just, you know, wanting to say, come on, man, you can, you know, you're almost there. You can turn this corner. You can turn this corner. You can change things. And there, there, my friend is is how a lesson in in character creation, character development, and, and really knowing how to speak to an audience uh, about a subject matter that's not easy: cancer and losing your your better half. I mean, for most of us, that's a pretty one way street where he has so many other elements that come up and and branch off of it. It's a great show. I think what's brilliant when you have a character like this is they come off as the one that's brutal and in pain. Right. 
but he's also being more in touch with his pain than the majority of the other people. The other people are simply living those lives of shortcuts where it's, could you stop being this way? You're making things difficult on us. Wait, maybe if we were all bluntly honest all the time, maybe we wouldn't have all the veils that we live behind and things like that. His, his stuff is too much. And you honestly, I love Ricky Gervais, but anytime I watch his shows, I have to be in the right mood Mm. because it can be so brutal at times. I'm like, Oh, but it's the same way as watching the American version of the office for my wife. Yeah. She, as an HR director, she couldn't watch it because she knew it was an HR violation waiting to happen. I feel the same way about Ricky Gervais from time to time. I'm like, you're so good, but I have to be in the right place. And I know you're going to be brutal. Yeah. But what is so beautiful about the way he handles this is there are observations with the lady that he meets, who is also grieving the loss of her husband and the relationship they share is just while, while he's brutal, she's just honest. She has nothing to hide. Yep. She's there to talk to her husband. And, you know, he, he bitingly asked her, does he talk back? And, you know, her answer is yes. Yeah. And you, you think, okay, that is absurd. But is it? Right. She's simply saying the honest truth of her world. And I think right away, you know, the, the relationships he forges like that as he begins to let people in and see things are our observations of life. And there, that's exactly what you want out of a show like this is mm-hmm. just that simplicity of... I'm here to watch yes. you be mean and nasty. Yes. Oh, you've pulled back one of the layers for me and made me understand why I should just be myself and go for it. Right. And, and, and a really clear example of that is when they're on that bench, because right there you have good and bad. You have light yeah. and dark. You have hope and you have despair. But they sit down and communicate, and it's never a combative conversation or where one like you said uses shortcuts to try and gain an advantage over the other it's just communication and what i think is brilliantly written into it is you know obviously he goes to the 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 cemetery to see his wife and that's where he meets this woman on the bench and they talk and then you go and watch um the scenes when he's in therapy with the psychologist Mm -hmm. uh and, and it's comically exactly what you expect because Ricky is, I say Ricky, but the Tony, the character is there. And that's an environment that he can operate within because he knows the variables that are at play, the roles of each person in the room and what they're supposed to do. So therein lies his don't give an F uh, game plan. But when he's on the bench with the woman in the cemetery, that's unknown territory and therefore a more real uh, assessment, self-assessment he makes of where he's at and where he wants to be. And that's where the real beauty comes in because without those moments in the cemetery, um, it could fall prey to just being a typical guy's wife dies and he's having a difficult difficult time handling it. Um, where when you get the insight that those two characters have when they meet each other, it almost is a pause. It's almost a palate cleanser, a breath, if you will, where he can gather some information and then go back into his life and apply it uh, with some of the people that he interacts with and everything. Um, well, I, th- I think the beauty of those scenes too, Jeff, are that the reason they're able to talk is that they, we surround ourselves in everyday life. You're my friend because you and I have similar interests. We have right. similar ways of looking at things and we can communicate on that level. But as he walks around in his pain, no one else ex- is experiencing that. But right. the moment he knows that she's there to visit her dead husband, oh wait, 
I'm right here to visit my dead wife. Yeah. They're on a level playing field. And though the anger is still there, there's no need for it because you understand my pain. Right. And he's trying with that psychologist. Psychologist is so removed that he's more worried about uh, responding to somebody on Twitter who <laughs> is, is flaming him. So I, I think that these characters, what Ricky is, uh, what he understands perhaps as well as if not better than most writers is we all live in a constant state of pain and we all want to lash out to those that don't understand where we are. Right. And he always wants to find the humanity in that. And he does such a beautiful job of drawing that. And, and let's be fair. You're going to laugh your, you know what off. Yeah. And also if the C word offends you, don't watch the show. <laughs> yes. That is tossed around quite a bit. Um, but yeah, and I'll be interested in, uh, getting your, your final thoughts. Cause I think you have yet to see the funniest scene in the entire series. Okay. Um, and one of the things the kind listeners should know about this character is, uh, Ricky Gervais characters works at a small local newspaper and his, his job is to go around and interview people that have crazy things like toast that look like somebody or a water stain that looks like somebody. Um, so already even his job is putting him in a very cynical environment where, you know, who cares, who would care that, uh, uh, that this particular thing happened in their life, not the death part, but like, you know, I find some toast and I think it looks like Olivia Newton, John or something. He already has a difficult time understanding why I'm excited about that and why I would want to tell others about it. So because of that character, uh, you you get nice pauses between the dealing with his his wife being gone and his in his relationships with his friends and, and family with some really funny moments where he goes in to try and interview and get stories and everything on these people. And, and the one I'm talking about is when they uh, involves breast milk and. Um, I can't wait to, we'll maybe do part two next week just because that, that whole scene is so well written and, and we may even play the sound from it, um, to enjoy, but I'm glad, I'm glad you're liking it. And I, and again, it's, it's great to see, you know, good writing and, and a really good product like this put out there and, you know, hats off to Netflix, man. I mean, they, they keep doing it. They keep knocking it out. They do, and hats off to Ricky Gervais for realizing you only needed six episodes to tell the story. Don't drag me on. Don't feel like you have to keep filling a, a, a bucket to have certain amounts of content. Tell your story, and I love what he does. Think it. there'll be a season two? I well, I don't know what happens at the end of it, so right. I've already wondered that. I thought I don't know if this gets wrapped up because you know he did Derek, which I kept hoping oh, right, he'd yeah. find a way to do more, and he's left it as is. And I think he's one of those people that's like, when that's done, I'm done. I hope that there'll be a season two. Yeah. And it'd be good to be exposed to that a little more. Yeah. So uh, for those of you listening, it's uh, the show's called Afterlife. It's on Netflix. Uh, highly recommend you take a, a, you know, a half hour, an hour, watch the first couple episodes, see if it's uh, your cup of tea. And uh, again, invite you info at the other kind radio. If you have any feedback, suggestions or additional information uh, that you want to share with the show. So that being said, we're not going to be in your ear for a hour and a half. <laughs> this uh, this show, Todd's giving the thumbs up. Uh, again, want to thank you for spending the last hour or so with us here at the Other Kind Radio. For myself, I'm Todd. Uh, do invite you to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Let us know what kind of uh, subjects you want, any kind of feedback. Send it our way, and uh, we hope you have a great week. We'll be back next Sunday. 
till then, have a great week. We are the other kind. The other kind radio. radio. The other kind of radio. The other kind of radio.